SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. My name is is Brian Stone. I'm your host as always. Joined once again uh, by Texas State writer Vidal Espinoza. Uh, say hello to everybody at home. Hey everyone. Perfect. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into this previous weekend's games. Um, I'm just reading them in the order that ESPN.com has them. Uh, so starting off from this past Saturday, uh, Coastal Carolina uh, faced off with South Alabama uh, and was able to pretty much just, I, I guess I would say, impose the, their will on the Jaguars. Uh, you know, it was a 23-6 to win. Uh, wasn't quite, uh, you know, the, the same level of blowout uh, that they had, uh, the Chanticleers had the week before against Georgia State, but uh, still a good win nonetheless, and they stay undefeated. It wasn't, like you said, it wasn't like the blowout from last week. Um, I I thought the game was going to be a little closer uh, when we had our podcast last week. I thought this game would be a lot closer than that previous game, and it was, but uh, Coastal kind of ran it down uh South Alabama's throat they had three rushers go over 60 yards and they just controlled the clock and 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 just like you said just enforced their will onto them yeah I mean this was kind of one of those games and you know I guess if you're at this stage uh and you're coastal you don't want to take uh unnecessary chances when you know you're just flat out better uh than another team uh, especially, you know, they've Coastal's got two games coming up uh, this c- coming weekend at Troy and then the big showdown uh, the week after at home against App State. You know, I, I, they did play it a little bit conservative uh, overall. I mean, they ran for 236 yards as a team. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, you know, they, they kind of implemented the... Uh, you know, when Georgia Southern played South Alabama uh, two weeks ago, they kind of just pounded the rock, essentially. Um, and and South Alabama uh, just wasn't able to score. So, I mean, you know, wouldn't Vidal, if you as a Texas State fan, if your team was able to just run the ball and play defense every game and guarantee a win, wouldn't you just do that? Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, that's that's the basic uh, strategy of football. You want to control the clock. You want to. Uh, keep their defense on the field, uh, keep getting four or five yard, you know, pops on every run. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the basic formula. I mean, it's not, it's not pretty, it's not sexy, it's not high scoring, you know, numbers all over the place, but it gets you the win and that's all that matters. For sure. So when, when I take a look at this game, um, you know, Desmond Trotter, South Alabama's quarterback, uh, fairly efficient, um, but wasn't able to throw a touchdown in this game. Uh, 23 of 31, 243. South Alabama's um, Achilles heel the last two weeks in the losses to Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina. They just don't run the ball as efficiently as you would hope to see uh, from a team that you, you kind of want to see take that next step in the Sun Belt. You know, they had uh, a number of guys run the ball, including Trotter himself. But all in all, you know, 38 carries, 93 yards, 2.4 yards per carry for their entire team. 
you know, it's a it's a bad night because Coastal, if you, if Coastal's running for seven yards a pop like they did, um, you know, you can throw the ball all over the field and and they threw the ball fairly efficiently, but you just cannot not be able to run the ball and hope to win one of these games. Yeah, they were very inefficient. Coastal had, uh, like I said, they had three rushers go over, you know, the 60-yard uh, rushing mark. So they controlled the clock. And when South Alabama had the ball, uh, they only – they were – only efficient on a couple of drives. They had 175 total yards on all their non-scoring drives, and they went they went for it seven times on fourth down, which tells you they got to that point of desperation many, many times and just dug themselves into a hole that they just couldn't get out of. Yeah, that's tough. You know, I, I, this is a tough game because it, it's, it's like one of those where, you know um, – Vegas predicted it exactly. It was a 17-point spread once the the betting lines closed. Coastal covered it, uh, but it wasn't as, like I said, you know, off the top, as explosive as as the win over Georgia State was. So, I mean, good win for Coastal. I don't feel like there's a ton to say about it for either team. You know, we kind of expected this outcome. So, I, I mean, I guess let's just move on. You know, Coastal moves to 7-0. Overall, for the season five and zero in Sun Belt play, South Alabama drops below five hundred to three and four and two and two in conference play. Uh, so going further down the slate, uh, UL Monroe's rough uh, year continues. Um, you know Georgia State is able to pound the Warhawks fifty two to thirty four. Um, you know, a lot of offense in this game from both sides, uh, but in the end, it just turned out, and we we knew this, but we it just turned out that UL Monroe they don't have the weapons on offense to keep up with pretty much anybody in the Sun Belt. I, I hate to say it, but I hate to beat a dead horse, but that's kind of what it is at this point. Yeah, they they just and they don't have an identity on offense really. Uh, we talked about it last week. You know, they lost their four year starter at quarterback and. They're just trying to find some sort of, you know, footing in the Sun Belt. And uh, Georgia State just came out, uh, you know, just on fire. I mean, the first play of the game was a was a was a bomb to get into uh, Monroe territory, and they just had control the whole game. They didn't look back, and it just wasn't it wasn't that it just wasn't a close game from the beginning. And that's what's plagued Monroe the whole you know season is they just get themselves into a, a bind and there's nothing to fall back on. There's no powerful running game. There's no powerful passing game. There's no consistency at all. Right. I, I mean, you know, when you look at the box score here and Georgia State was up, you know, 42 to 14 at halftime, you know, I get it. UO Monroe's not a good football team, but to allow 42 points in the first half, to anyone outside of you know like a ranked power five school is is tough to stomach um the only real plus that i have i I will give you a monroe credit here you know uh their quarterback jeremy hunt stepped in for colby suits who was the the starter um hunt played fairly well i mean a lot of it like you know i i said at halftime the game was essentially over but Played pretty well in garbage time, you know, uh, threw for 339 yards and three scores. Is there any reason that they shouldn't just roll with Hunt from here on out and see what they've got? They should just they should just go with him. Uh, I, I watched the highlights, and he moved very well in and out of the pocket. He was 
uh, going through his progressions, going through, uh, you know, going through all of his receivers, uh, making all the throws he needed to make. And I, I was, I was pretty impressed. I know a lot of the, the yards and stuff were when they were behind and in garbage time, but I, I thought he looked very confident and I'd say go with it. It, it was, you know, it was a, it was a good enough performance. If I was the coach, just to let him, you know, you're winless. Let's see what the, let's see what the young man can do. I mean, a lot of it's in garbage time, but knowing what we know about Georgia State's defense, ha- they could have been trying their hardest, and UL Monroe might have just been walking the dog on them, you know, offensively. Like, Georgia State does not have a good defense overall. I mean, you know, look at how, you know, we said it a little earlier, look at how South Alabama played Coastal this past weekend, and look what happened the week before when Georgia State played them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, credit to uh, Jeremy Hunt. You know, UL Monroe might have found at least a spark at quarterback, if not kind of their their answer for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, Georgia State's one of those teams in the in the Sun Belt, and you know, Arkansas State's kind of the same way. Troy's kind of the same way. It's impossible to kind of get a handle on what kind of team they are from a week to week basis because they're so peaks and valleys every single week. Yeah, it's 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 true. It's it's really true that you know if Georgia State did have a they jumped out pretty early, but what if they didn't jump out early? What if Monroe had kept going the way they were going? Uh, it would have been a lot closer of a game. Uh, and yeah, it's just it. You're right. They're one of those teams that uh, they do rely on the performance of their offense 100 percent because if they're not firing all cylinders and their defense just gives up, you know, a horrible amount of points. The score is the other way around. Yeah. And it gets them into trouble against teams that can play conservatively and, and just limit the amount of drives that Georgia state's offense has. I, I mean, Cornelius uh, Brown, the fourth, uh, they call him quad Brown, um, you know, played pretty well in this game, uh, 20 of 32, 241 and three scores. I, I, like I said, it's hard to take anything away from this game just because we know how bad UL Monroe's been all year. So, I mean, credit to Georgia State for getting the win. And it, like I said, they had kind of put the game away at halftime. But, I mean, this is what we expected out of UL Monroe is is to kind of put themselves out of the game early. And this is kind of what we've expected from Georgia State. Like I said, it's it's one week they're scoring 50 the next week they lose by 50 and you just can't get you can't get a handle on anything that they're doing on a week-to-week basis so i mean i don't know uh georgia state moves to three and three with the win two and three in sunbelt play uh ul monroe drops to oh and eight yikes uh oh and five in conference play as well uh keep keep going down the uh list of games from this past weekend uh, a game that was tighter than, honestly, I thought it would be. Uh, Louisiana was able to pull out a 27-20 to 20 win over Arkansas State. You know, it, it's tough, too, because it's when you really look at it, it wasn't tight score-wise until, let's say, what was it? You know, 224 left in the game. I mean... Outside of the fir- the first half, okay, fine. Arkansas State led six nothing after at halftime, but Louisiana felt like they were kind of coasting there, 
And then Arkansas State scores two second half touchdowns, including, like I said, the one with 224 left to go. And all of a sudden you've got a ball game. So what a weird game overall. Yeah, you look at the stat sheet, look at all the, and you, you know, you watch the game and it, you're exactly right. It wasn't like it started off like, oh, wow, this is like the game of the week right here. It just kind of came out of nowhere as a, as a really close game. And, uh, uh, it, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Louisiana pulled it out uh, there, and it was a you know exciting last bit of the game. And uh, um, the the thing though I take away from this this game, we talked about it also last week on the podcast. Arkansas State with that two quarterback system, and uh, mm-hmm. Logan Logan uh, excuse me Logan Bonner, uh, yeah, he's been his average per pass was only 4.5 yards in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just it, it he just hasn't been efficient. I don't know why they're playing the two quarterback system. Uh, I, I I was watching the highlights of the game. I was watching him and it's just a lot of check downs, a lot of uh, passes in the flat, not taking a whole lot of chances and they're not moving the ball at all because if you're Yeah, it, it- it's kind of weird um when you look at the stats like we said last week they were hatcher the second quarterback for arkansas state and logan bonner were very close in every you know stat category however i mean just from the eye test i haven't watched arkansas state play every game this year but just the eye test that i've seen them the games i've seen them play i've thought lane hatcher was a better quarterback overall, and I don't really understand why they keep trying to shoehorn Logan Bonner in. Um, I mean, I mean, again, the stats last week were identical, but when you watch the games, it just feels like Lane Hatcher's got like a better feel for the offense, and and it can you know limit his mistakes and make some bigger plays. So I don't really understand still to what this the mindset of this is because. Even when you look at the stats, uh, you know, the scoring from this game, Lane Hatcher was the only one on this team who scored, you know, threw a touchdown. So it was like Logan Bonner threw two picks. Why wouldn't you give Lane Hatcher more than 10 pass attempts in a game where Logan Bonner was bad, like you said? Yeah, like you said before, they were kind of neck and neck. Uh, At at the beginning of the season, Bonner was, was... you know, pretty decent through the first five games, but these last few games has just been, uh, you know, nothing impressive and nothing, no chances being taken. All the play calling is just really, it's not going to, it's not getting them anywhere with Bonner under the, under the, uh, under center. Yeah. I don't, I don't really get it. Um, you know, I, I think eventually it's tough to say eight games into the year because the season's pretty much over for them by this point. I mean, they're one and four in conference play. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel like Blake Anderson, the, the Red Wolves head coach, maybe should have gotten a handle on this like a while ago and just decisively if he wanted Logan Bonner to be the starter. Which I, which is what I get the vibe because otherwise, what would be the point in throwing a guy out there when he's thrown two picks and you know they let him, they let him throw the ball thirty times and he had one hundred and twenty seven yards. So clearly, they're trying to shoehorn Logan Bonner into this offense for some reason, but they don't have the level of confidence in him 
to let him just take the reins and just be the guy full time. So I, again, I've said, I've said this every week, whether it's been you, whether it's been Matt co-hosting with me, I don't understand it. It makes no sense. At, at a certain point, I feel like they should just let Lane Hatcher have a game to himself and see what he can do. If he stinks, it doesn't matter. The season's over for them anyway. They're not contending for anything. I mean, they, they might not make a bowl game, uh, it, you know, provided the NCAA doesn't institute that rule where every team makes a bowl game. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand the thinking. They haven't been good defensively this year, really. And uh, Bonner should not be starting full time for this team. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, the the team was carried, though, by running back Lincoln Perry. He had 121 yards on 22 carries. And, uh, he was, he was to me, the, the offensive bright spot. He was slashing and cutting, and, and uh, uh, he did a very good job, I think, and that's what carried this team. I think without that good running game that we saw out of Perry, this score wouldn't have been as close. Yeah, I agree. And and also just on the Louisiana side of things, you know, they won this game, obviously. So so credit to them. They have games like this sometimes. And they did it with Georgia State earlier this year where they just play down to their competition randomly. And you you going into this game as a viewer, if you know Sunbelt football, you would look and go, well, Louisiana should should win this one easily. You know, they they run the ball at a high clip. Their quarterback's pretty efficient. Um, and and can make some explosive plays. This should be an easy win. But then they just do this thing where they play down, like I said, to their competition. They went to overtime with Georgia State earlier this year, who we've said is is all over the place consistency-wise. And Arkansas State's kind of the same deal. And I, I, I just feel like, you know, Louisiana still has that test ahead of them. They have to play App State as well. Um, so to close the year, I mean, so, I mean, th- this lack of consistency from them compared to how they played last year, I feel like is just going to catch up to them eventually. Yeah, Louisiana is way better than what this game uh, represented. Um, it just didn't seem like they were on top of, of you know, they weren't on their A game. They could have they done a whole lot better. The game was closer than they wanted to, but you know, a win's a win, but you know, it does get tougher from here for them. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So with this win, Louisiana moves to six and one overall for the season, four and one in conference play. Arkansas State drops to one and four in Sunbelt play and three and five on the season. Uh, so the second to last game of Saturday's slate. Uh, Georgia Southern was able to pull out a 20 to 13 win over Troy. I think as a Georgia Southern fan, the thing that impressed me the most was that um, Wesley Kennedy, their best offensive option, uh, hurt his tooth, I believe, early in this game and didn't play. 
Uh, he had one touch the whole game. He caught a ball for negative four yards, and then didn't see another uh, didn't see another carry, didn't see another reception. That was it for him. Uh, J.D. King hurt himself as well in the third quarter, I believe it was, and it was just announced late, earlier this week uh, that he has torn his ACL and is out for the rest of the season. So, I I mean, that's obviously really tough because, um, you know, he was a really good running back and kind of was the, the engine that made this whole offense go. Um, but again, I was impressed that they were able to win the game without those two guys because those have been the two players that have primarily, you know, been the the focal point of this offense. Yeah, I was uh, I was really impressed too. Uh, despite the drawbacks, uh, 326 rushing yards on 61 attempts. That's that's really 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 good. Uh, almost like a, I mean, I know that's their their uh, mo is the whole run game. It was almost like a like some sort of like throwback game from I don't know the 60s or something like that because Troy's quarterback uh, Jacob Free was 21 for 47, only 44 percent. Uh, of his passes, uh, he was only completing that percentage of just for 201 yards. And I mean that as a throwback game where, where either the, the teams are rushing for an exorbitant amount of yards or the quarterback is throwing wildly inefficient, uh, you know, like back in the day when those games where you could win the Heisman Trophy with a, with a you know, 44% completion rate and, and five touchdowns for like 12 interceptions or something like that. That's what it reminded me of a lot. And the score reflects that it was just a, it was just a, uh, you know, ground and pound game. And uh, and again, the team that controlled the rushing attack won the game. And again, that that that'll always equal a win most of the time. So I, there's a couple of things um, for people who didn't watch this game. There's a couple of interesting things about this game that was that was very weird that I wanted to point out. Uh, number one was that Troy's only touchdown came on a pick six that Shy Wirtz threw in the second quarter. It was one of the worst combinations of throws and decisions that I've seen this year in college football. Um, so I guess kudos to him for that. Um, but secondly, you go and look at the time of possession in this game. Georgia Southern had the ball for almost 43 minutes of this game. And this is kind of what happens with Troy's up-tempo passing offenses. When the passing isn't efficient and can't keep you on the field, you don't even burn clock. Like, you just don't have the ball. And that's essentially what happened was Troy would go out there, their quarterback, they would run the ball on first down, they would throw two quick incompletions, and then they were off the field again. And so it, it was really crazy to watch Georgia Southern climbed themselves out of a hole that they made for themselves with Wirtz's uh, pick six, like I said. Yeah, it's kind of a shame, too. I said last week that this was going to be the game of the of the, uh, of the week that I thought was going to be the game of the week. And it, it was a close game. Uh, unfortunately, the, the video I tried to watch uh, were the highlights. I didn't want to watch the whole, you know, three-hour game. I didn't get to watch the, – the video would, wouldn't play for some reason. So I didn't get to watch any of these highlights of this game. And it's funny because that was the one that I was – touting the most and it it played out just like i thought it would um i thought it would come down closer to the end uh much like the uh, arkansas state uh louisiana game uh but it was a close game and uh i was i was still impressed by georgia southern's 
uh, running attack, just based on what I saw stat-wise. Yeah, I mean, it, it. the game definitely did come down to the end uh, overall. You know, Troy had the ball in Georgia Southern's, uh, you know, red zone there at the end of the fourth quarter. It was just that free through a pass that ended up getting tipped by a linebacker and it was intercepted for his second pick of the game. But a little bit more on the way that free played, I was really surprised. I mean, Georgia Southern secondary played well overall, but he was so bad missing like easy wide open receivers and and just couldn't throw the ball down the field at all so it's very rare even in the Sun Belt that you see a game where a quarterback throws the ball 47 times and he has more incompletions than he has completions so I mean like I said credit to Georgia Southern's pass defense but Jacob Free was was not good in this game at all no yeah he wasn't he was not at all that, that like I said that forty four percent completion percentage unless you're running the ball sixty one times and you only attack the ball eight you know eight times throwing the ball that that's just not going to win any games that's just at that point forty seven uh, attempts that's just desperation you know at at some point yeah and it, and it was you know I I think they started feeling the heat there at the end. And, and kind of sat, someone probably walked up it, to their bench and said, hey, guys, like, we haven't really scored outside of, uh, you know, a pick six, which was, like I said, a bad decision and a worse throw. And then two field goals, like, guys, we need to score an offensive touchdown to win this game or give, a, give ourselves a chance to win. And then, you know, like I said, at that point, it just became Jacob Free just trying to throw the ball every single down. And it just it just didn't work overall. But uh, Georgia Southern snaps a three year uh, losing streak to Troy, uh, getting the 20 to 13 win. Georgia Southern moves to five and two uh, overall in the season three and two in Sunbelt play. Troy drops to four and three and two and two in conference play. Uh, Going into the last game of the night on Saturday, uh, your Texas State Bobcats took on App State. I mean, what can you say? That's kind of, this is kind of what I think both of us expected. It, was, was it not? I believe that this is kind of what we said was that App State would roll pretty easily over over uh, Texas State. Yeah, it it was played out pretty much like every game of this last half of the season for for uh, Texas State. They they uh, they struck first, they scored first, and it gets your hopes up. Kind of like the BYU game uh, was, where they they scored on the very first drive, and you're thinking, "Oh man, this is going to be a a shootout." Um, they went with Tyler Vitt over Brady McBride, and um, pretty much got the same results. Um, they just lost the, the turnover battle. If you look at the if you look at the stats, uh, uh, App State only outgained Texas State overall on offense by six yards, but it was the mistakes and it was the turnovers that really, that really cost them this game. Um, and it was the perfect storm for Texas state to play app state really close. They're out gaining their opponents 473 to 330 in total offense and to just stay within six yards. Uh, but just mistakes, 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 uh, you know, porous defense, uh, can't stop the run game, can't stop the passing game. I mean, that's pretty much has been the, the story of the year. 
Yeah, so you you kind of touched on it, uh, just mistakes from the Bobcats that ended up, you know, costing them what was an early lead. You know, uh, like you said, you know, Tyler Vitt throws a touchdown to Javen Banks uh, to open up the game. Uh, they score in three plays. You know, App has a more methodical drive, seven plays, 72 yards. They, they score at 7-7. Then, you know, later in the quarter, you know, Brendan Harrington for App returns a interception of Vitt for 49 yards and a score. And that was pretty much the ball game, you know, and, and Texas state like only scored what 10 points after the, you know, they scored seven points in the first 44 seconds of the game. And then they scored 10 points, the remaining what 56, 59 minutes and 16 seconds or something like that. So that's that's a pretty wild stat to look at that they they scored 10 points the remainder of the game but you know maybe I, you watched the game I I, I, I would assume I did not I was it just app State's defense ended up just smothering Texas State well I I actually watched the game uh, in bits and pieces I was actually helping somebody so I had my phone in the uh, moving truck while watching the game but every time I was watching the game it just like the so the when they played uh, Louisiana, they were down fourteen to zero, like super quick within the first few minutes. And you would think that would be like a backbreaker or confidence breaker, but no, they came back and they made it uh, a closer game. They did lose the game, but they made it closer. But this game, it just seemed like once the mistakes started pouring in, once App State started rolling, the confidence kind of just went out of the team, and the just the the overall like. I guess fire, I guess just kind of, there was nothing, there was nothing left. It was close for the, you know, the first quarter when it was 14 to seven, but at state was driving and it just, I mean, the, the desires there, it just didn't seem like everyone was on the same page as far as confidence wise. And that's, that's the overall theme I got from this game. Yeah, so uh, on App State side of things, you know, outside of the defensive touchdown that I mentioned, uh, they really were content, and, and this has been their their kind of mo the last couple years. They just run the ball and they play defense. And we said the same thing about Coastal. Well, App did it just a little more efficiently. Um, you know, Zach Thomas was only asked to throw. He threw the ball twenty seven times, but he only threw, he didn't even eclipse two hundred yards passing. Uh, but he did throw three touchdowns um, and then app was able to run for 258 yards as a team uh, as a team, they ran for six yards a pop. So, I mean, anytime you can get that out of your, your offense uh, it's, it's hard to look at that and say, no, I think we're going to put the ball in the air with Zach Thomas for absolutely no reason. So, I, I mean, I totally get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it was just kind of a backslide there. Um, do you think at a certain stage in this game, they maybe should have subbed McBride in for Vit once once it was kind of established that Texas State wasn't going to be able to move the ball like they like they have been, you know, in weeks past? Um, no, because I think there was just more of a, a defensive decline for the Bobcats in this game. Um, uh, fans have been clamoring for Vit to be put in the game because of of McBride's inconsistencies. So it's kind of like what Arkansas State's not doing. They need to just let one quarterback in there playing to play and play the whole game and, put the, and you know, take the whole game on his back. But 
it wasn't just it wasn't just Vitt's fault. Um, the defense just you know the six yards of carry, the two hundred fifty eight yards uh, rushing. Uh, like uh, Zach Thomas, even though he didn't throw a whole lot, was very efficient because he could be very efficient because the running game opened up so much. And I think it was just App State's offense was just too much. Um, and they, uh, Texas State couldn't create any opportunities as far as turnovers or just any breaks. And so that was really the only way that Texas State's going to win any games is if they get those breaks the turnover, everything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, Vitt can throw a couple of interceptions, but if you can counter counteract that, then Texas State does have a chance. But I figure just let Vitt play the game, the whole game. Uh, let each young man, whoever they pick as the starter, just let them play uh, the whole game. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would have mattered. Um, I mean, maybe McBride would have, you know, had that chip on his shoulder that he wasn't starting and maybe would have brought him back. But... Uh, you know, but Tyler Vitt doesn't play defense, so uh, I would say just keep him in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with the win, App State moves to five and one in, in overall for this season, three and zero oh in conference play. Texas State drops to one and eight and one and four in conference play. Uh, turning the page to this coming Saturday, uh, you know the the earliest game of the bunch. Uh, the noon kickoff Coastal Carolina travels to Troy. Uh, you know, we talked about it uh, with Coastal and Troy's recaps of their previous week's games. You know, I the, I see the line as it currently sits on uh, Thursday night when we're recording this. Coastal is an 11-point favorite. I mean, their smallest margin of victory this season was three points. And that was against uh, Louisiana in what was a really tight game. Troy is not Louisiana. So (laughs) the next closest margin of victory they had was against Georgia Southern when Coastal was forced to play a backup quarterback and they still won by two touchdowns. So I see Coastal rolling here by by about two touchdowns, if not more than that. Yeah, I could see that. To me, the most intriguing part of this, uh, this matchup it's going to be the Troy defense versus Coastal Carolina's quarterback, Grayson McCall, just himself. Um, McCall's been very efficient this year, thirteen over uh, almost 1,400 yards passing, 16 touchdowns with only one interception, 271 rushing yards, and four touchdowns. Troy gives up 24.6 points a game. Coastal scores 37.9 points a game. Uh, Troy has 11 sacks, six interceptions. Something's got to give in this game. It's gonna. That's gonna be intriguing. I think. I think Troy is gonna keep it close, and by what I mean, keep it close is more in the two touchdown range uh, against Coastal. I think Coastal is gonna win this by a decent margin, but I don't think that Coastal is gonna be as efficient as they have been these past couple of games. But it will be a Coastal double digit win. Yeah, um, I I think this, you know, I, I'm looking through some news now. Uh, I don't see any updates with Gunnar Watson, Watson uh, Troy, Troy's uh, starting quarterback, uh, his, his upper body injury that's kept him out the last couple weeks. Um, I don't see really any updates, so I'm going to go ahead with assuming that Jacob Free is going to play uh, his 
fourth game of the year for the Trojans. If he plays the way that he played against Georgia Southern, I think Coastal is going to tear them apart. And with how much better Coastal's defense is in my mind to to, to, uh, Georgia Southern's, um, I just don't see a way that, that that Troy is able to keep this game close because you saw it last week. They can't keep their offense on the field. So Coastal can do whatever they want offensively. So if they want to employ that Georgia Southern, you know, game plan of run the ball 50 times, they can do that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that against Troy here. Yeah, if I'm Coastal, I come out in the game and I'm, I'm airing it out. I'm bombing it out and trying to destroy Troy's confidence. <clears throat> they can score, say, on the first drive, just bomb it out, just air, air attack, air raid attack, and then once they have that lead, just run the ball. And I think that's what Coastal Carolina needs to do uh, to put the game away early um, <clears throat> and to just take away Troy's confidence and also – to give them confidence in themselves, especially their offense, that they can score at will and take control of the game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I said, if Troy isn't going to be able to keep their offense on the field, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what Coastal decides to do offensively. They're going to be successful because if they hold the ball, I mean, it doesn't even have to be as extreme as last week. If they hold the ball for 35 minutes, they're probably going to win this game. So I, I just see Coastal, you know, steamrolling Troy just because I think Coastal's a, a complete other, maybe two tiers above where Troy currently sits right now. Um, but moving through uh, the two o'clock kick, uh, Louisiana welcomes South Alabama in this one. Um, Louisiana is a 15 and a half point favorite. I, I mean... We kind of said this. They play up and down to their competition. I personally, I don't think I would take either side on this game because you have no idea which Louisiana team's going to show up. But, I mean, there is always the potential that Louisiana plays down to the Jaguars, and this game is, you know, similar to the one that Louisiana just played last week with Arkansas State. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Louisiana maybe number 25. <clears throat> They're not to they're not close to what their I think their ranking is. They are a good team. They do deserve it. But you're right, it could be one of those instances where they do play down at the competition. South Alabama is nothing they're not great, but they're not horrible. They're just the middle of the road. There's nothing that stands out about them. They don't play horribly, but they don't play uh great on a consistent basis. Uh so I think it's going to be a close game, closer than the uh, than the uh, the odds. Uh, and whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this game. Um, and because South Alabama, in their losses, have turned over the ball, the majority of their turnovers have been in those losses. So if they can keep the mistakes at minimum, make Louisiana play down to them, make some mistakes, this will be a closer game. So I actually am going to immediately retract uh, what I said earlier, and there's a reason for it. Let me read a very weird stat to you. Are you ready for this? 
Okay, I'm going to take that as a yes. In the first game of this season, Louisiana beat Iowa State by 17 points. Since then, they have not won a game by more than 10. So for that reason, uh, it looks like we lost Vidal on accident here. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to take personally Louisiana, uh, or or sorry, South Alabama rather, uh, by the, the plus 15 and a half. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on this one. Um, so getting into the next game, uh, two thirty, uh, kick Georgia state travels to take on app. Um, you know, app is a 16 point favorite in this game. Uh, personally, when I look at this, uh, I don't know if the stats bear this out cause I don't have the history between these two teams recently, but I feel like when app state plays Georgia state, it always feels like Georgia State might blow up, and then they just don't. And App always just slaps them around. So I actually feel fairly confident uh, taking App minus sixteen here. Uh, Georgia State, you know, we we talked about it earlier in the show, is all over the place consistency wise. So I just don't. I see this as one of their down weeks. You know, versus last week when they scored fifty, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost this game by twenty thirty points. Yeah, I mean the you're talking about the stats. I did a little stat crunching. Uh, App leads the series six to zero, and the average score is thirty seven point two to twelve. So <laughs> I think that it's, it depends on what Georgia State team shows up. Um, their their defense and their losses this year. They've given up five hundred and forty eight rushing yards on a four point three eight average but in their wins they've only given up 175 total rushing yards on a 2.43 average per carry so if georgia state need if they to win this game they need to play their rush defense you know just to the apex to the to the max to have a chance of this game but i don't think that will that will happen i think app state will control the ball and i think they will make this a seven zero series lead yeah i don't i don't see any reason why i should believe that you know you you read it off i mean the average score says it all between these two teams um i don't really see any reason to take georgia state even plus the points here i mean they beat up and score a lot of points against bad teams and when they play a team the caliber of an app or of a coastal it really shows why they're hovering around 500 every week. And these teams are competing for the conference title game. And when Matt and I were previewing this season for Georgia state, you know, we didn't even know what to take away from how this team was going to look. I mean, my best case scenario was they go six and six or 500 or however many games get played. So, I mean, they're kind of on track for that right now. So Again, I, I feel pretty confident saying App's going to run away with this game. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think they'll um, they'll they'll do the same thing they did uh, last week. They'll uh, run the ball, control the clock, control the uh, you know they'll have good quality drives, and I think that they'll I think they'll pull this out. Uh, uh, I'll say they yeah by seventeen. Yeah. Um, so the last game of the of the day, 
uh, weirdly enough, is a 3.30 kick. No night games this week. Uh, by the way, just a side note, uh, Arkansas State and UL Monroe's game has been postponed. Uh, so, yes, the last game of the, the week, Georgia Southern welcomes, uh, my Georgia Southern Eagles welcome your uh, Texas State Bobcats in this one. Uh, like I said, you know, J.D. King, Georgia Southern's leading rusher out for the year with a torn ACL. Um, that's going to be a tough break for them um, just because this offense has been up and down uh, as much as, you know, as as good as their stats have looked the last couple of weeks. Starting the season, they were very slow offensively. So anybody that can provide them any sort of offensive production has to be almost put put in a glass case at this point because they just cannot lose any other offensive players and still keep rolling, you know, as, as the season goes along. Uh, Georgia Southern currently a 10.5-point favorite. I don't really know what to say about this game. I, I, Georgia Southern's defense was excellent last week, but that's not the norm. So I think tentatively you take Georgia Southern in the 10.5, but I, I'm not – I don't feel great about it. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because I feel the the opposite. I think even though uh, Southern's depleted, uh, I think they can still run the ball, especially what we've seen out of Texas State's run defense. Um, it's going to be one of those games where if Texas State's going to have any chance, it's going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to win the turnover battle. Uh they're going to have to have some trick plays. They're going to have to have some ingenuity on offense and, uh, you know, pull out everything like the, the fake field goal they had a couple weeks ago for the touchdown. They need to do something like that to stay in this game because I think that despite the injuries, Georgia Southern, I think, will still be able to run this ball uh, pretty efficiently. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the worry for me comes in, um, and, and there's really only one game that immediately springs to mind when I say this. It was the game that we played against UL Monroe. Um, the way that that game went, and I, w- I honestly wouldn't be shocked to see this game between Texas State and Georgia Southern go similarly, not the exact same, but similarly. Georgia Southern at one point in that game with five minutes left in the third quarter led by 18 points. They came within one yard of losing to UL Monroe. Um, and it was just, they just, they have this thing where if they get out ahead big, they just take their foot off the gas and they don't get out ahead big a lot. So they tend to keep teams very close to them score wise, even if they're significantly a better team it typically doesn't matter on the scoreboard because I mean, okay, let, give me one second. I'm just going to go through and look at the Georgia Southern's last couple games. So they beat Massachusetts by a lot, but Matt, that's not a, a huge accomplishment by any stretch of the imagination. They scored 14 against coastal. They scored 24 against South Alabama. They scored 20 against Troy. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can be a 10 and a half point favorite. If if you're averaging, let's say 21 points a game, you have to win that game to cover the spread 22, nine, 21 to nine. Mm-hmm. So 21 to 11, maybe no 21 to 10. So, I mean, I, 
I just don't see their defense being as locked down as they were last week. If if you guys, whoever you throw out there, McBride, Vitt, whatever, if you guys throw somebody out there who can sling the rock a little bit, there there is reason for Eagle fans to be concerned about it. Yeah, yeah, like you said, if they throw uh, McBride out there, uh, especially in a situation like that, it could be a good thing for the uh, for the Bobcats. It could be that perfect storm where that style of uh, of gunslinging could uh, could work in this game. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna come down to how the defenses react to each other. Um, uh, like you were saying that you know a passing game could expose Georgia Southern, but you know Texas State's running defense has kind of been on the decline recently. So it's kind of one of those. It it could be a blowout on one end, and it could be this really close game. But I'm just not really sure at this point. It's gonna be very very interesting to see what is going to happen. Of course, we both, you know, want, you know, the better outcome, but I'm just not sure what outcome that's going to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just wrapping up here, um, give me the one thing that you, you know, it doesn't have to be a game, but just the one thing you're looking forward to in this weekend slate of Sunbelt games and uh, let the folks on social media know where they can find you. They can always find me at Watch the Stone on Twitter. Um, I, I will go ahead and with one my one thing. Um, I am looking forward to Coastal Carolina and Troy. Uh, I want to see if Coastal can keep it rolling, and uh, you know keep Troy at bay. Uh, if if Troy's quarterback can go. Um, you know, it, it could be a game, but I haven't seen any updates about Troy's quarterback, Gunnar Watson. So I'm just going to assume that Coastal may roll in this game, but I just, I'm not sure. Uh, Vidal, give me the one thing you're looking forward to this weekend and then tell the folks on social media where they can find you. Um, I am actually looking forward to the Texas State Georgia Southern game. Uh, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those games. I wrote an article a few years ago about potential new rivals for Texas State, and I always thought that Georgia Southern could kind of do because it's kind of like the it's kind of the opposite, you know, air raid versus the you know the run first uh, offense. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. It's also uh, in in two weeks. It'll be the 15th anniversary of when these two teams played in the one uh, AA playoffs in a 50 to 35 uh, thriller in San Marcos, which uh, was a very long time ago. I don't know how old you are, uh, but I was at this game, um, and it was uh, it was a very exciting game. But that's the game I'm looking forward to, um, and you can find me on Twitter at. Vidal underscore Espinoza. Um, yeah. Perfect. So we'll just wrap up here. Uh, we are looking forward to this weekend slate of games as well, and we will be back next week with another episode of the Sunbelt Podcast. Mm-hmm.